there's never been a better time to say, you know what, I'm going to risk it all because playing it safe is still a risk. And so maybe it's time not to play it safe. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the Christian Podcaster. It's Eric Nevins here, your host. This, of course, is the show that introduces you to Christian podcasters and where you might find your next favorite binge. Of course, this is brought to you by Christian Podcasters Association. If you haven't, if you're a Christian podcaster and you haven't gotten your membership yet, what are you doing? Join us over there. It's, uh, it is free. Just go to ChristianPodcastersAssociation.com, bronze membership is totally free, and if you're looking for help promoting your show, you can get a silver. If you want some great training, get a gold. Go for the gold. We would love to have you in there. Um, this today, we have a great conversation. I love our guest today. He's one of my great podcasting friends, and uh, he has his show is called Jumble Think. He's had some amazing guests. He's so good at it. Our guest, our guest is my friend Michael Woodward. Michael, welcome to the Christian Podcaster. So excited to be here, be a part of this, and get to chat with one of my friends. It's always fun <laughs> to talk to friends, isn't it? It is. It is always great. We've done each other's shows. Yeah. We've uh, been to a couple of conferences together, which is always fun, and uh, I think it's really, really great. So I love what you're doing, and I know we're going to talk a lot about um, what you're doing with your show. So let's get into that. But first of all, tell us just a little bit more about you and kind of what you're up to. Yeah, so I am this weird uh, happenstance of where I'm at today. It, it was not a journey of uh, planned. I worked at a church. I was an executive pastor overseeing youth and worship. Recession hit, much like now. Money disappeared for a lot of organizations. And so they couldn't pay me. A friend said, come work for me. I ended up in the tech space. Still love working with and in churches, of course, but ended up becoming a web developer and designer, starting my own agency. And along the way, really identified my core passion, which is helping people figure out who they are and who they're created to be. And uh, I, I don't do that in the church anymore. I do that in the business space, which is a vastly different way mm. of doing it, but helping people dream bigger, helping them see what their vision could be, helping them get from where they are to where they should be. It's, it's wow. what drives me. Yeah, well, I can speak to that personally because you've helped me over the years, the last few years, helped me just reimagine kind of what we're what we're up to. So I love that. Um, tell us about your podcast about JumbleThink. Yeah, started in 2017. It is the exploration of that very thing, figuring out how people turned a dream or an idea into reality. Could be a leading actor from Hollywood. Could be a top elite athlete that's gone to the Olympics, could be an author, could be, uh, we try to stay away from actually business coaches and marketing experts. It's strange. Uh, <laughs> we get a lot of requests for that, but, and we've done that, but we try to find those people who uh, take something that a lot of people would say, I'd love to do that. We just had a winemaker on who, uh, built a, I think it's 400,000 square feet castle in Napa Valley called wow. Castello de Amoriso. And, and so his dream was not just about starting winery, but it was interesting. You get to talk to these people and, and hear that their vision, their dreams, their ideas are much more vast than what you could even imagine. And for a lot of these people, uh, it feeds something deeper that they know that they're created and called for something. And they're also, uh, a lot of them are, some of them inherently, are 
willing to step into risk, but a lot of them are people who had to overcome a lot of obstacles on that journey of going from dream into reality. And I think in the day and age we live in, the question is not how do I keep my life safe? We don't live in a safe world. We don't live in a safe society. Mm -hmm. I mean, COVID, you look at job security, you look at financial security. There's never been a better time to say, you know what, I'm going to risk it all because playing it safe is still a risk. And so maybe it's time not to play it safe. Maybe it's time to step into identity and dreams and purpose. And so that's the show to be a catalyst for that. Wow. Dude, you're speaking my language, man. I love that. I totally agree. (laughs) It feels safe to go to your job that you just hate, but you do it because it's a safe paycheck. But it We've both is been there. Not, we have. It is not <laughs> safe. It actually damages your soul, which is worse, my friends. So much worse. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I that is so great. What why are you passionate about that? Like why where'd that come from for you? That's a great question. It's something that I've actually struggled to answer. Because I think of it like I have a big bucket list. It's right in front of me. It's this blue notebook. It's 400 and what is it up to? 400 and uh, it's somewhere in here. 420 items, 421. And uh, a lot of them I've done. A lot of them I haven't. And so when I look at that, and these are all like, you know, your typical, well, there's some not typical bucket ice, like uh, list items in there, but that's all there. And I, I love the the, 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 the drive to explore and to have adventure and to ha- have fun in that process and to, to go create and do something. But the question that's always been really hard to answer is why am I so passionate about this for others? You know, I, I ended up pastoring, which hopefully for most pastors is a burden of helping people figure out freedom from addiction, freedom from brokenness, freedom from hurt wounds, but also beyond that, not just the freedom, but the, the, the drive to enable these people to thrive and not just survive. And so, you know, I look at that over my life and, and that's a big part of it. When I look in the entrepreneurial space and why is there such a drive to do this for others, I don't know what the answer is, why that mm. is or where that started. I know it's just always been there. I want to see others maximize their their giftings their passions their their dreams and so it seems kind of strange on one sense because i come back and say well what's my dream what is my ideas and and i mentioned the bucket list but those are things i want to do things i want to accomplish the mission and the purpose and the the dream i have is just to simply see people walk into that And, and i i honestly the only thing I can come back to is that that's how God wired me. That's how I'm created to be. That's in my DNA. And I think nothing makes me more frustrated to see people who talk about dreams, but then live mm. a life that's discontent, depressed, and unfulfilled. God's created us so much more for life than just to survive. And I think that in our culture, we've gotten into a place of survival. Addiction's up, depression's up, suicide's up. All of this stuff's up. I think it comes back to two things. One, well, a couple of things, maybe three or four. We'll see what that comes out <laughs> to. But, uh, you know, it comes back from a, a, a detachment from our creator. I think that that's fundamental. Two, it comes back from a place of not being satisfied in the life that we live. And so often going back to where we started, it's because we sell out to something less, a lie, a a truth that we believe for ourselves that isn't keeping up for the Joneses or the life we're supposed to live or the path that we're supposed to do because we've been taught that way. And so 
we have that. And then we have, you know, people that are unfulfilled with life. They have no purpose. They have no direction. They have no place to go. And they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're living unfulfilled. And so for me, that breaks my heart to see people there because I know that there's so much more that God has for each of us. And many people are missing that. Yeah, it. that is one of those things that just um, does break my heart as well. I can think of many people, you know, just even when I was in corporate America, like they just were there for the paycheck, right? And that's important. You need the money. But man, what what a passionless way to live. Not everybody, you know, some people really enjoyed that that world. But um, I get it. So I, so I understand that. It sounds like you're also curious about how people take some, go from nothing to something, right? How they take that that process of that creative journey. Yeah. I mean, it's just a fun experiment in seeing what's possible. You mm-hmm. look at wow. some of the greatest heroes of culture and society over the last 50 years. They're the inventors, the, the innovators, they're the founders, they're the, the creatives, could be an artist, could be in music. And you listen to whether it's like Sheryl Crow living in the back of the van with her mom, or you look at Steve Jobs and creating personal computer and being kicked out of his own company. Yeah. And and you look at that story of overcoming, you look at that story of putting it all on the line, knowing that it could fail, it could be a personal flaw or something like that. And yet there is this story of reemergence out of that. And, and it's, I think the story of our lives that that when we create, when we step in, and, and I want to clarify that. So many people think, well, I'm an accountant. That's not creative. But there's a lot of creativity in understanding data. Yeah. You could say, well, I'm not creative. I'm uh, uh, an engineer. You know, I, I look at components and parts, and I'm like, that is so creative. Like creating a business as an architect, right. there are people that go, I'm just putting a pipe in, I'm putting in a pillar here, I'm doing this. And there's creativity and there's science and there's knowledge in that. And and I think that exploring those stories really inspires us. You know, it's it comes bringing it back to scripture, it says by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, right? And so I remember talking to an atheist on the show, actually two brothers that are atheists that were on the show. This is early on in the show. And they're dropping F-bombs and they're swearing and cussing and talking about their life. And then they go into this thing about like, you know, one day we're there, we're listening to this loud voice that always leads us to this place of destruction. Like, oh, go party, go sleep around, go do this, this and this. And then all of a sudden the small voice starts speaking to us. And and we follow this small voice and it leaves us in the purpose and dreams and destinies. And here they are talking (laughs) about feeling like they're fulfilled in that they're doing what they're created to do. And yet they don't believe in a God. And so when we look at these stories, whether the person's a believer or not a believer, it draws us back to where does this all start from? And, you know, the humanistic worldview would say it's inside of all of us. And yet, people are achieving more than they could ever imagine that they could do. So there's got to be something more driving that story. And so when we bring those stories back, when we explore those stories in Jumble Think, we are really seeing hopefully a catalyst for others to hear their own story become alive in them. And so that's that's the heart of the show is how do we use this as a spark to encourage others to step into more than what they're doing further into what they're doing. And, and what's amazing is, you know, I, I've talked to some people who, uh, whether it's purpose-driven, you know, Rick Warren kind of philosophy, or whether it's um, uh, Bruce Wilkinson and the dream giver and kind of that hero's journey story. And it's interesting to me how much pushback they get. 
And I've experienced it too, where people are like, I want to do this. I, I feel called to do this. I'm so excited to do this. And yet somewhere they die off in that journey and, and they become bitter and push back against, you could have your own hero's journey. Well, that's good for him or her, but that's right. not good for me, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's all those kinds of things, you know, the yeah, buts, right? Oh, there's, I, I know people, I've had conversations with friends who, you know, I'm like, Hey, you should start your own podcast or you should do this. Yeah, but I'm so busy or yeah. You know, they always have that, that kind of thing. You're not busy for the things that you have, that you want to do, right? You're not, yeah. you're not busy for those things. So you'll make the time. I, I know that was a big part of my story. I had to actually make the choice to show up every Monday with a podcast episode, even if that meant being up till 11 or 12 o'clock on Sunday night, right? When I had to get up and be at work at six in the morning, I'm not good when I'm sleepy, but I did it because I knew I had to, I had to make that choice and, uh, there, nothing was going to stop me. And that's, that's kind of, kind of what you got to come to. How long have you been doing your show? Since 2017. So what is that? Four, three, four, three, three and a half years. Yeah. January yeah. of 2017. So, okay. Yeah. Three and a half. Yeah. Perfect. That's very good. So you started, I started in June of 2016. So you started like right, right after that. Yeah. So. We're at like episode 351, something like that. You publish right more, we, more than once a week. Yeah. So, uh, I would love to say that I'm always consistent. Uh, we, we typically put two episodes out. Sometimes the day varies depending on guest scheduling and my schedule and things like that. It used to be every Tuesday and Thursday or uh, for a while, we did Mondays, Fridays. We've tried different days out and everything like that. But historically, we try two episodes a week. There are seasons where we did three episodes a week, and there are seasons where we did one episode a week. And unfortunately, we're not at a place monetized-wise where I can be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to pay some editors to do all of this and all of that. And um, I wish we could. I, I wish I was there. I probably could be there, but it's just not financially where my priorities are there's other things that we're right. working on uh, along with what we're doing so so uh, you know i still edit i still produce i still uh, uh do all the prep for every show and i do quite a bit of research on most episodes uh for most guests and so an average episode uh will take four to six hours for me uh yeah. Uh, if it's a, if it's kind of like, and I hate to say this cause it sounds bad, but if it's like a B guest or a guest, I'm, I can't find a lot of information at, it might be two hours total. If it's someone like, uh, some of our bigger guests, it might be, uh, 12 to 16 hours of research, uh, ideal world. I'd love to be doing, you know, 68 hours of research and wow. then uh, actually doing the, the show. I just feel like that's part of where I shine is the research portion. So. Yeah. hundred percent. You do. Um, okay. So what was the most significant obstacle that you had to overcome or that you've had to overcome with your show? Um, figuring out to do how to do with what I have. I think so often it's easy. Like my dream right now, what I'd love to be doing, and it's, I'm looking at the space right in front of me. So I'd like to build out like a really kick killer, uh, studio. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, do video. I'd love to incorporate video. I have vision for it. You know, I could probably pull all of it off for around 1200, 1500 bucks, buy all the cameras, do multiple, maybe closer to two grand. I have some of the equipment and that kind of thing. So I'd love to do it. And I think that the biggest obstacle is sometimes we idealize what it should look like. And so because we've idealized what it should look like, we get stuck trying to wait for perfection instead of getting going. 
you know, I had audio equipment, so I just got going with the audio version of the show. Yeah. But since 2017, even before that, back into 2014, I've wanted to do video. And here I'm at the show 350 episodes in, interviewed a lot of people, done a lot of cool stuff, and we still don't have video. So it drives me nuts because I know <laughs> where I want to be, but I'm not where I want to be. I'm where I am oh. because of what is realistic. And so I think for a lot of people, and I know for me, it's easy to say, you know, I will start once I have X, Y, and Z in line. And once everything's lined up perfectly, then I can step into this. And sometimes you have to make compromises for what you know you want to be doing or maybe even what you should be doing so that you are doing. And then you get to the place where you can build out and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you cannot overestimate how important getting started is, right? You have to yeah. just do it. I totally agree. That was that held me back for two years launching my podcast, right? Like yeah. I just wanted it to be perfect. And the reality is you. it takes time. It, it takes time to learn how to speak into a microphone and, and do your kind of introduction and just practice over and over and over again. So I think I just published episode 206 or something, but we only do once a week. Uh, yeah. and we're getting there, right? Like we're get we're getting, starting to feel more, uh, comfortable, but yeah, it just takes time to develop those skills, whether it's equipment, skills, talent, whatever it is, you can develop it all. You just have to spend a little bit of time doing it and you're better off getting started publishing, you know, ship it like Seth Godin says. Right. Um, so, so very important. Who's your podcast for? I, I like to say it's for the older, uh, millennial, younger Gen Xer. They've been dissatisfied in their job. They're wanting something more. They feel like they're called and created for something more and they feel stuck. And so we explore those stories with guests. And, and I haven't done a topical standalone episode in a while, and I need to do it because they're really popular. And, uh, and strangely, we see better numbers on those sometimes than even our guest numbers. Wow. Uh, I'm not quite sure why people would want to listen to me, but whatever <laughs> they do. And so that person who's like saying, you know, maybe I've saved up a little bit of money. Maybe I have a little bit of safety net. Maybe I don't. Maybe I've lived a life that I've tried to build all these things and do all these things. And and they're ready to, to transition into their dreams and ideas. They just, they've gotten to a point where they realize, you know what, uh, enough's enough. I need to do this. And so the show is designed for those people who maybe they're an early entrepreneur. Maybe they're a, uh, just a person that wants to start a side hustle or a hobby, uh, but they're ready to start. And, and, and these stories are to encourage people to do that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I, I know I could have used your show back when I was working in corporate America and having all those dreams. I need to go. Um, <laughs> definitely very good. Uh, what was the change? I think maybe I know the answer to this based on your last answer, but what was the change that you wanted to make in the world? I want to see people simply living out the life they're created to be yeah. living. And, and I think that so many people aren't. And so that's my hope. And, and, and I wonder sometimes, even with my show, and, and I think every podcaster wonders this, is my show really impacting the people I want to impact? Mm. Are people just consuming this content and they're like, whatever? Or is it actually bringing lasting change through that conversation? It's so hard when the medium is me to somebody I don't know or won't see. And, and as you have, and as I have, you do hear those stories back, but they're few and far between compared yep. to what I think we dream. You go, let's just say, let's make up numbers here. Let's say you have an episode, you have a hundred listeners, you're early out on, on, on 
creating your show and you don't know who those people are. You don't know how to touch base with them. They might be friends. They might be family members. A lot of times they're not. So how do you have a dialogue with them? And I remember early on people saying, hey, you know, you should have conversations with your your listeners. And I'm like, but how do you do that when you don't? Yes. And so I think that's part of the problem is like, like you want to have an outcome. It could be people consuming your stories. And so it's an outlet free to create and tell the stories. It could be, yeah, you want to connect with people. And so that's another outcome is, you know, between you and me and whoever's listening, uh, you know, so often uh, sometimes the best relationships don't come from the people listening. It's the people you're talking to. And those conversations could lead like you and me. I mean, we didn't, we weren't on each other's shows before, we knew each other, we knew each other, and then we're on the shows. But still, some of the best friends uh, in this space, in the podcasting space, have come out of conversations from guests on the show. It's opened up doors to talk to people that I would only dream to talk to. Yes. And so so sometimes the impact in conversations aren't just about the people listening. Sometimes it's about maybe you have something to say or uh, to bring to the life of one of your guests. And so that's my prayer right now that I can get into the room with people who influence culture, who influence uh, narrative on what's going on in society. And I can start having dialogues that begin to be a spark for change in their own lives. And so I reach out to people and sometimes it's because I just simply want to be in a room with them, even if it's a virtual room. And sometimes it's about, you know, maybe my impact isn't as great as I'd like with our listenership, but a lot of times we see a lot of, really cool things happen out of the conversations after the conversation with the people we're talking to. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that too. The, the networking, when people ask me what my favorite thing about podcasting is, that's usually what I say, because I think get just getting to meet so many amazing people. I, when I worked in a bank, I didn't want to network. I didn't care. Right. I just didn't care. <laughs> right, right. But I do care about networking with podcasters and networking with, you know, uh, just Christian people who have great stories. I love hearing that. Um, I think that's fantastic. I think one of the things that you realize as a podcaster, and and we're in slightly different spaces in that our core uh, community is slightly different. And I'm that weird, I don't want to say chameleon, but in a way where I feel very uh, a part of the, the CPA community and what's going on there. I haven't been as active in some of the groups lately just because of life. And then on the flip side, I... I'm really connected with the business space and uh, certain pockets of podcasters. And, and what you find is that the community of podcasters is significantly smaller, yeah. the, the higher you go up in the echelon of podcasters. And so I feel like the network of people that I'm connected with, especially in the business space, uh, it's amazing when I'm talking to someone new and they're like, oh, you know, so-and-so. And it's like, yeah, they're a good friend and that kind of thing. Oh, they're my hero or whatnot. Yeah. And that the space, especially for established, really legitimate, and I don't want to delegitimize anyone's show because I think everyone's show is valuable, but there is a, a level on which, you know, you get to a place where it's kind of a different game. And so um, to be in that sphere, I feel like, uh, let's just be honest, you know, I, I feel like I'm at a B-level podcast right now uh, with the community, with the the charting that we do, we chart quite well in a lot of shows, but I don't feel like I'm in a like uh, 
Malcolm Gladwell, a Godin, you know, yeah. kind of caliber. Uh, I feel like I'm one step below that. And I feel like I'm right at that place. But you find out that there's these different little pockets and that you're growing together. I feel like our shows have grown both uh, through that relationship, not because of each other, although there are moments where we impact each other and that, that helps us grow. But I feel like we're on the same trajectory and kind yeah. of the spaces that we play in. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that's totally true. And I think uh, one thing I love to hear from you is that, hey, it's hard to get feedback from your audience sometimes, right? Because I think your show is more successful than mine in terms of downloads. But it's like, um, it's it's just hard. People are listening when they're doing other stuff, right? Cliff Ravenscraft yeah. taught me that. Like there's, yeah. people are listening when they're doing other things. And so they're not, their first inclination is not to go and send you an email, right? They have to actually, so the ones that you get, those are really, really valuable, right? Because somebody took some time. Yeah. to go and do that. I, it, uh, you know, that is such a hard thing and I don't have a good answer. I wish I did. Uh, and I think perspective for me has been one of the hardest things because at least for me, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm probably one of my hardest critics. I know all the things sure. that I'm flailing at all the things that I wish I could be doing better at all of like people don't know that sometimes I have to do seven, eight, 10 takes on an intro <laughs> right. because I'm stumbling over what I'm trying to say or the person's name. Like that's the most embarrassing thing. I've butchered so many people's names. Oh, uh, I hate it when that happens, man. I, I, I even like, dude, you're my friend. And I yeah. had, when I was introducing you, I went and like grabbed the, the calendar <laughs> just to make sure I say it right. Right. Like just, yeah. you just, my your brain works weird sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and for me, like it's funny because I'll be in a conversation with someone, like a legitimate person, and I, I won't use their name in the conversation just because I'm like I'm going to butcher their name, and they're like really respected. Everyone knows who they are, you know, major player in the space that they play in, like, and I'm just like afraid I'm going to butcher their name, and and so you know, and and I, you know, I would say that. I'm professional in what I do and that this is something that I do well. And so it's amazing the insecurity. So, you know, it's easy to be like, am I making an impact? Do people really listen? Do people care? What are people hearing? What are they taking away? What am I getting lost in the show? So I remember one night I was sitting in bed and I, I turned to my wife and I said, what are you doing? She's like, Oh, I'm reading all the reviews on your show. And it, and it hit me. Like, I'm like, when was the last time I looked at the reviews on my show? I, I don't even remember, probably a year ago. And she's like, oh, look at, look at what this person said. And some of the names I'm like, oh, I know who that is. And they were, you know, at this conference or they were guests on the show and they were just being kind or whatever, you know. Yeah. And then there are other people I'm like, no idea who they are. I had no idea that I had impact their story and their lives. And so how do you really get a metric on what people are thinking. I think there are a lot of creative things you can do, but uh, some of the best things you can do is reach out to a friend that's in the space that knows what they're doing and get critical feedback from them. Tell them, this is my vision. This is what I want to accomplish. This is our audience. And maybe even swap. So it might be like you and me, Hey, can you listen to this interview? I don't think I'm hitting the mark on this. Can you give me some pointers? And you'd listen through and you go, Oh, this is really good. These are the things that are great. Here's some things that I think you stumbled upon or are, you know, you could have done better. Or maybe it was a research issue. Maybe it was a missing what the person said. You're so focused on where you want to go that you missed like a golden opportunity to go deeper into the conversation. Mm. And so 
You know, if I want feedback on what to do better with my show, um, it's easy to go to the people who are going to cheerlead you and encourage you and want to give you all the good feedback. But if I go to a professional like you or uh, Jeremy Ryan Slate, who's a good friend or uh, like I have a whole list of people that I trust in this space and I say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I have a question. Can you give me some feedback? I know one you're going to be sensitive because you understand, as, as my business coach years ago said, only kings and queens know what kings and queens know. He was British, so it sounded even cooler. <laughs> uh, but basically, unless you're there, you don't understand what it's like. Right. And I think so having someone that has an inside perspective is always good. Then look at other people in your space. Like, hey, I'm trying to reach, let's say your show is about entrepreneurship and you want to reach entrepreneurs. Reach out to an entrepreneur that you respect and like and say, hey, could you give me some feedback? Uh, on this and, and give me some perspective as a person in this space. What do you think I'm missing? Um, authors do it all the time because when they publish a book, they need reviews of their book uh, to be on yep. that cover. Uh, I've been asked by a couple authors who've been on the show to review it. And so I read the book and give feedback and, and then give them a quote, you know, and, and uh, so podcasters don't do that. We um, should do that. I like that. We should do that. That's a good idea. Um, All right, we'll keep that in mind. The CPA yeah. needs that. I think Christian Podcasters yeah. Association. Well, and and, and let's be that. let's be clear on something. The rate and review thing that every podcast group does is a horrible way to get feedback on your show, right. because these people are swapping reviews. They want to give you a good review, so you give them a good review. You need people who are going to be really honest, but are going to do it in a really compassionate way to give you the feedback you need on your show. Right, and it used to be that reviews in iTunes or what Apple, whatever used to matter a whole lot more, right? Cause they would do like rankings and things. And today that's not, not the case as much as what I understand. And, uh, I'd rather hear from a listener than hear from, you know, a podcaster or just somebody who, you know, uh, is like we're exchanging something. I want, I want genuine feedback there, but getting, having that relationship, building that relationship, like you're talking about and saying, Hey, let me help you. You help me then that's reciprocal and it's helpful, right? I think that's really good. Well, it's the outcome that you're dictating. Yeah. The outcome in the first is I'm trying to get ratings and reviews. You're trying to get rating and reviews. The outcome in the other is the iron sharpened iron. How do right. we become better together in this process? And your perspective on my show with honesty and transparency is going to give much more leverage for me to grow and change and evolve than uh, a fictitious review and rating from a podcast group that, Feeds oh. the ego quite well, but doesn't really help the the growth. That's fire right there. Feeds the <laughs> ego, which is nice, but it's not everything. And it doesn't really get yeah. you very far. Okay. Um, what have you learned while you've been doing your show? Uh, I think a couple things. One, uh, I tend to be a perfectionist and want everything in my ideal perspective to play out exactly how I want it to play out. Uh, I've had to grow in this space to say, you know what, things aren't going to play out to my expectation and I need to be okay with that. Maybe it's like I'm doing a specific push or I have a specific guest on and I'm really anticipating a certain amount of, of downloads on an episode and the show just doesn't reach the expectation. It's real easy, especially when like I'm in my basement right now and I'm, I'm building out a new office down here and it's easy when you're in your own dungeon to go to dark places. Yes. I think that one of the things for me that I've learned is cut myself some more grace 
And if I don't get the episode out because I have to deal with a client emergency, sometimes that's the reality of the day. And I just have to deal with it. And I know that that's frustrating, but I can't live there. And, uh, you know, yeah. along the journey, I had lived there. I, I thought, you know, when I launch this podcast, it's going to be 10,000 downloads the first episode. <laughs> and how right. hard could this be? And, you know, especially coming from I'm a web developer. I own a web agency. I've worked with Fortune 100 companies. I've done marketing campaigns from, for some of the leading brands in the country. Help launch a, a business that's now valued um, in the billions of dollars. Wow. And... Um, I didn't take the equity. That was the problem. Didn't take that. <laughs> Anyways, different story for a different day. So I, I set high expectations because I've been there and I've done so much. And I remember, uh, let's be real honest. When I launched the podcast, I probably would have lasted a month if it wasn't for the fact that about a month and a half into, well, okay, it would have lasted like two months uh, <laughs> into doing the show, I landed a guest that I really wanted. His name was Bill Shaft. He was a writer for Letterman. Wow. And um, and he couldn't do the interview for several weeks. His wife had just passed away, but he's like, I'm in, let's do it. And so uh, I now had to do episodes to get to the point of when I was going to interview him and then time to turn around that episode. So now... I'm five or six months into it. So I kept on going, not because I was like super excited about the outcomes I was getting. I was going because I was going to have this interview that I really wanted to have. And so sometimes you have to look at it like what gets me through till tomorrow when I don't feel like keep on, on going. And so for me, coming back to that question of like, what have I learned? Uh, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't get into dark places of like self-doubt and disappointment and frustration because we're all in the same place. The lie of podcasting is, is that you have this overnight sensation of yep. somebody coming out. They hit a million downloads in their first show. Okay, that's great for Michelle Obama when she has her new podcast that just came out. She can do that because she already has a following. She already has a tribe that's there, which I guess you're not supposed to use that word anymore, but that's a different story too. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we look at that and, and we compare our story to Michelle Obama's story. Right. Of course, she's going to have victory because she was the first lady of the United States for eight years. Right. And whether you like her or you don't like her, your story is never going to be her story. Uh, let's say uh, you look at Conan O'Brien comes out with a podcast and he gets huge downloads. Or let's go more obscure. You see this person who's like, I'm getting X amount of downloads on my first week and blah, 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 blah. And they're like, ah, it's just like, like it's just blowing up and blah, blah, blah. And then you do some digging. The story that they're telling isn't the full story. They yeah. have a list of 500,000 people from their uh, Instagram account. Or they had uh, built a blog out five years ago that was all about a specific space. And, and then they get a slump that you never hear about, but they're blowing up their, their social saying, look at how cool I am, how great I am. Yep. And, and on the flip side, you know, I could easily go with ego and say, look, I've had X person, Y person, Z person on the show. Look how great I am. Uh, and, and because I've had great people on the show, it doesn't make me great. It just makes me very fortunate and very lucky that we've had some really cool people on the show. And I think it's easy to get that ego. So it's both sides of the coin of like going to dark places because we're disappointed and having over ego and being like, look at how great I am when actually our victory isn't as big as we think it is. 
Yeah, absolutely. That those are great points for sure. I have certainly seen both. I've probably done both, and I've <laughs> been there as well. So there's that. But uh, it is it is exciting, you know, when you get a great guest. Like I just interviewed Sky Jatani. Did I tell you that? I inter- he's he's on the Holy Post with Phil Vischer. But oh, cool. his work is like one of my favorites. Anyway, so yeah, you know, promote that. But yeah. um, I to- I totally get that. All right, so Michael, what's next for you? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I love the honesty. That's great. I would, uh, you know, in an ideal world, I'd love to be doing less development in the web space. Maybe, uh, you know, we're building our team back out a little bit and growing that. Uh, years ago when we had our agency fully functioning at like peak capacity. Let's try that again. Rewind. <laughs> when we had our agency running at the peak of its perf- uh, perfection, uh, let's say, uh we had 12 people working for us full-time. We had part-timers. We had contractors. We were doing great. We were turning around lots of money in what we were doing. Um, and we're growing back into doing that again. And with that, it changes what I do and how I do it. So I'm excited about that and having more time to focus on things I'm passionate about and less about the, the daily grind of writing code. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's There are people who love it. Uh, I'm good at it. I don't love it, but Ooh. that's a different story. Uh, well, no, but that's a great insight, right? There's a lot of things yeah. that you can be good at that you may not love, and you got to push towards the things you love. I love that. Yeah. There's two or three shows I'd love to launch. I'd love to be traveling a lot more. Um, don't we all wish we were traveling a little <laughs> bit more? Well, right now, everybody wishes they were traveling because nobody is. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you know, that's part of our dream. We're back to homeschooling. My wife, you know, we'd love to get to the place where she, she doesn't want to be working as much anymore as she has been. Um, she works virtually. I work virtually. So, um, you know, as a family, we just want to do a better job at painting the life that we want for us and our kids and, and doing that in the space that we love to do it. And so figuring out how to monetize that better, what's next. Uh, you know, I'd love to launch a podcast about Manhattan. I'd love to launch a podcast about education. I'd love to launch a podcast around, uh, re-envisioning the church, uh, Oh yeah, maybe actually resurrecting the vision Jesus had for us. I don't know, uh, hmm. and so those are all things I'd like to do. What's next? I don't know. Yeah, well, that's great. Maybe more podcasts. I'd like to do a T-shirt that says "Podcasting is addicting" because I think we all want to start more once we do them. Uh, I love that. That uh, sounds like a great like podcast conference title: "Podcast Addicts." And right? <laughs> you should launch that as like a sister, like the non-faith version of CPA conference. There you go. That's fantastic. All right. Well, where can people find you, Michael? Yeah, jumblethink.com. Um, drop me an email. The emails, you know, there's a contact form there. There's uh, links, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, all those fun places. And then the podcast is everywhere that your podcast probably is. Yeah, so. all those places. You're in the app now, most likely. Go ahead, look it up. Uh, my One thing that we didn't talk about, but I think you do really great because you do so much research, is you ask great questions. And your guests are often uh, impressed by that, which I think is really cool. Um, I haven't, uh, you know, I, I don't get to listen to a lot of podcasts these days, so it's been a while since I listened. But your episode with LeVar Burton was fantastic. So, oh, thanks. Uh, that was so good, and he was he was amazing. I know you were worked really hard on that one. So, uh, yeah. guys, check that out if you want to look for one particular that that will just make you nostalgic and make you yearn for something better for the world. That one is it. I love it. And anything you want to leave us with? 
you know, if you're going to create a podcast or if you're in a podcast, have a conversation that no one else is having. I think that's so often overlooked. Like you mentioned the LeVar episode. I could have the exact same conversation that he's had with everyone else. As a matter of fact, one of the things he said early on when we were booking was, I don't know if I want to do your show because I've already said everything I need to say. And, and it's that coming back to like most podcasters have the same conversation. And so one, I don't want the same guests everyone's having Two, I don't want to have the same conversation. So whatever your topic is, whatever the conversation you're having, have a fresh one. And that's what I, you know, I, I know the show is going to be for a lot of podcasters. That's my challenge. That's my challenge to myself. How do I have a fresh uh, conversation that no one else is having? Wow. That is gold. Okay, friends. Thank you so much for listening. Go out to jumblethink.com. That is where you can find Michael. And of course, if you're not in Christian Podcasters Association, christianpodcastersassociation.com as well. We want you in. We want to, we want to know who you are and help you out along that podcasting journey. Thanks a lot for being here, Michael. Oh, so good. Thanks for having me. 